Hey guys, how's it going? Scott here from scottsbasslessons.com again and we're here with episode 22 of the Scott's Bass Lessons podcast. Today we've actually got a killer player with us, Stefan Rettenbacher. Um, he's one of the funkiest bass players over here in the UK and he's actually got a wicked band as well, the Rettenbacher's Funkestra. Stefan's originally from Austria and he wears many hats. He's a bass player, guitar player, composer, uh, a band leader, arranger, educator, producer, music software developer, and as I said, he's, he's head of one of the head. That's a bit of a weird term, isn't he? He's band leader for one of the coolest bands over here in the UK, the Rettenbacker Funkestra. Now, he's performed with a ton of people as well, like Steve Winwood, Jack Bruce, Josh Stone, Amy Winehouse, Lulu, Mika Paris, Paul Carrot, Kiki D, Sophie Ellis Bexter, Limal, Alexandra Burke, Russell Watson, and even Adam Ant, to name a few. And he's also been involved pretty much for his entire career in music education as well. You know, just I'll just list a few of the places that he's taught at, just to give you a, a bit of a glimpse into um, what Stefan's going, got going on educationally. He's taught at the Royal Northern College of Music, the London Centre of Contemporary Music, the Detroit Institute of Music Education, the Academy, Academy of Contemporary Music. All of these have got really long names. Institute of Contemporary Music Performance, and on top of that, most importantly, I may add, he is also a regular visiting faculty member in the Academy here at Scott's Bass Lessons as well. So just to give you a few things that you're going to learn in this episode, I've kind of just pulled out some really cool bits for you just before we get into the episode. Uh, Stefan's going to talk about why he uses the Samandal fingering method. Now, if you don't know what that is, he'll tell you about it in this interview. Um, he's going to talk about why he selects the musicians who he works with in his band and tell you why it's not all about the big names. Stefan's experience when watching Jacko live for the first time, it actually it totally rocked his world. You've got to check that out. It's in the interview. Um, he talks about his life-changing moment during an audition for the Munich Conservatoire, his early years and how he ended up in Boston studying with the prestigious Berkeley College of Music, and why Stefan feels that his continuous composing process has been absolutely critical to his progression as a musician and, as always, a heap more. So we're going to get that into that in just a second. But just before we do, I want to give a shout out to everybody for commenting on last week's lesson. I did a new format. It was called A Quick Riff, or just Quick, quick Riff, actually. Um, I released it last Wednesday, and essentially it was just a three-minute little ditty, little video that's on YouTube if you want to check it out, where I play a really cool funk riff in the style of Joe Dart from the amazing band Wolfpack. Check them out if you haven't already. Um, and then I and then I'm basically half the speed. So you can check out the fingering. And remember if you're an Academy member you can get the tab and notation for that as well. And also I released another lesson last Friday where I was talking about the two five one sequence, okay, and why it's really important to start focusing on particular chord sequences when you're practicing, or at least fitting that into your practice schedule. It's super important, guys. I won't tell you too much about it now because I want to get stuck into the interview. But you know, if if you haven't checked it out already, go check it out on the YouTube channel or check it out on the website, obviously. Now, if you listen to this on iTunes, I'll send you all of my bass love, 
all of the all of the base of there is if you subscribe and leave a review as that helps get out the word out about these interviews and obviously there's so much we can all learn from these interviews so i would love you if you leave a review and help us out with that if you're listening to this anywhere else other than scottsbaselessons.com as well make sure you shoot over to the website and check out the show notes for this episode because i've got some really cool videos of stefan there for you to check out and it'll essentially save you hunting around on youtube for it just go to scottsbaselessons.com forward slash episode 22 to check that out i'm just going to check that this is 22 uh, before we go any further i've got my notes in front of me Uh, where are we yeah episode 22 and also if you're completely free if you're completely new to scott's bass lessons go over to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit and there's a heap of cool goodies there for you to download videos and stuff like that how to videos where like we've got a bass buyer's guide on there where i talk to chris may from overwater bases and he gives you some tips of what you should be looking for and things to take into consideration when buying your next bass I've done a video um, explaining the modes and how to get into them and how to practice them. Um, it's it, The modes are really complicated in a certain fashion, but if you approach them in the, the right way, they're actually really logical. Um, I know I had a ton of issues with them when I was coming up through the ranks, and uh, I can remember when I was a kid really getting frustrated with the modes. Anyway, I've put that video in there for you as well, and there's a video on how to get gigs wherever you are in the world. All of this is free for you to download. It's just scottsbaselessons.com forward slash toolkit and you'll find them there. Now also remember, if you're an Academy member, you can also watch the entire video version of this interview as well. If you're not already an Academy member, just go over and check it out at scottsbaselessons.com. In a nutshell, it's the best online learning platform for bass players in the world. The step-by-step courses, live seminars every week with some of the best bass educators in the world. Um, there's the largest online base educational community in the world and tons and tons more plus we've got a completely free 14 day trial for you as well so you can take the entire academy for a test drive just to see if it's for you and if it's not no sweat you can cancel your account with the click of two buttons you don't even need to contact me but trust me if you do try it out you will love it now without further ado let's get into episode 22 with stefan rettenbacher Hey guys, how's it going? I am super, super lucky, and you are super lucky, to have here Stefan Rettenbacher, and we're here in London, and this is number one interview, the first interview of the the London podcast series, so this is series two of the podcasts, and Stefan's come along to this awesome pad. We've just actually, I'm going to, I'm going to break this to you, we've had the bailiff on the door, we actually hired this place. We thought Stefan had brought him with him, but it was nothing to do with Stefan. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, we thought it was an electrician to come and fix some of the lights. It was a bailiff that was coming to, well, take stuff away. Uh, but anyway, meanwhile, back on the ranch, just I want to say hello to you, Stefan. I know we've shook hands, shaken hello, hands before. Hello, Scott. If you haven't he exists this, in real. I never met him in real, but he is a real person. Do you He's know not what, an avatar. When I actually met you outside, is this the first time we've met? Yeah. Because bizarrely, I've spoken to you on Skype and stuff like that, and I I would have sworn that I've met you before because we've seen each other and stuff like that. But this is the first time. But if you haven't heard of Stefan, he is a super hot bass player and is the leader of one of London's hottest funk bands, the Stefan Rettenbacker Funkestra. Yeah, you can rely on me, mate. I'll I'll pick you up. (laughs) Nice one. I like this guy. But you know, you you like the Funkestra. You just said before you've had some great players playing with you, haven't you? And I've got a small list here, like. Pee Wee Ellis and Lenny Pickett, Incognito and the brand new heavies, Stanton Moore, 
Fred Wesley, you know, like, is there anybody else you want to, is that cool enough? Anybody they're else all, cooler than that lot? Well, they're all cool. I mean, they're, they're obviously uh, known artists. Yeah. What, what I always say about that is that um, there's lots of guys, actually everyone who was on my records and yeah. in my band, they're all awesome. And some, sometimes they're not as well known as the others and like try to mix it up. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. a lot of these guys, I didn't get on records to play with us because they go like, oh, I gotta get like this big sort of big short uh, musician on the record or on the gig. Uh, that's not my thinking. These guys are my heroes. So everybody who's my records, I approach because I completely You've been worship to them for years. Yeah, yeah, their yeah. music. I mean, yeah, yeah. meeting Fredo, PBLs, or Lenny Pickett, all these guys I grew up with listening to is just for me. It's also um, uh, it's kind of a handshake. Um, kind of in terms of going through the history of the music. Yeah. Because obviously I, I like my soul, my funk and my jazz. And, and working with Fred, who kind of wrote the book on how to play mm. funk trombone. Yeah. And then to meet him, talk to him, get to play with him. Actually, just saw him last Friday. He was in, in London. Uh, top guy. And he also, by the way, he wrote a great book called Hit Me Fred. Read that amazing sort of biography of his life. And you get a lot of insight about what's, what's going on in the 70s. Very honest. Um, and who's Fred played with? Like, obviously, I know, but you. Told oh, Fred! Me. Well, so yeah, Fred. Uh, Fred was the uh, MD for um, James Brown and played trombone for James Brown for quite some time. He always wanted to be a chess trombonist. Actually, uh, that's why he got the seat with the Count Basie Orchestra. So yeah, he played yeah. second trombone, I think, in the Count Basie Orchestra. But then he had lots of kids, and he said, "Well, I had to quit. I always wanted to be like J.J. Johnson or Kai Winding." And then he had to quit because he didn't make enough money. So he went back on the road with Parliament. Right? Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, yeah he was yeah. he was the MD of for Parliament, and he worked with George Clinton. Then he went back to James Brown, and and Fred really has played with everybody since. I mean, he he's a big superstar. He's like in his early seventies now, and he's still out there playing. He sounds great. Yeah, I played with him last year or the year before. He did? I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. How so? Yeah, yeah. What did he do? He was just doing something with Dennis Rollins. You know, Dennis oh, yeah, Rollins. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah See, like, and, and guys, for me, the story and hooking up with him and hearing his story and knowing about him and then making music is, for me, like, it's one thing. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. great to have him on the record. Of course, it's, it's, it's great. But the, the, the bigger thing is, you wrote the book... I write funk music. This is also my, it's, it's a legacy thing to yeah. kind of invite these guys like P.B. Ellis. I mean, as a bass player, who has not played the chicken? Yeah, the chicken. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you meet the guy who wrote the chicken, the guy who, with, whose music, uh, Chaka was inspired by the chicken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you played the chicken a thousand times and then you meet the guy and then you get a... Like, did like you play the chicken you. with Pee Wee? No, I did not. You didn't. No. I, Does I Pee Wee ever want to chicken. play the chicken anymore? <laughs> Hey, what do you think about that chicken? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I haven't asked him that, but so and, and I love that. Yeah. You know, and for me, it's all. You know, I spent more time sitting with him talking than actually being in the recording booth. Yeah. The yeah, recording yeah. booth is just a cherry on the pie because you know it was funny. Let me hear the tune. Here's the tune. Listen to it. Okay. He, he, one blow. Goes. Yeah. Cool. I think this, you did something wrong at the end. Like, yeah. <laughs> let me fix it. So second take, and before finish second take. Before I actually could say anything, like, uh, like you know, do the old studio thing, uh, I went to the recording booth. He already, like, dismantled his horn and says, ah, it's as good as it's going to be. Then we'll speed him, like, That's okay, <laughs> thanks. That took 10 minutes. But, I like, I spent two hours with him, you know. Yeah, 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 just chatting. So, and that's, and that's, for me, that's, that's, that's the exciting bit. Well, like, Rewind, obviously, you're not from the UK originally. 
How did you end up finding the base, and then how did you end up over here in the UK? Because you've been wow. to, obviously you studied in, in Vienna, yeah. then you went to yeah, Berkeley yeah. over in Boston, mm. and you know, just tell us a bit about your, your background and your story. Well, I, I was lucky enough, my dad was, uh, he was into sort of jazz and soul and funk, and he liked James Brown and like people like Miles Davis, I remember one of the first records he gave me was Miles Davis, Sketches of Spain. Wow. Uh, and there was, I mean, obviously it was weird. I mean, imagine you're like 14 years old and like everybody is like tripping out to play like, Sabbath. I think my dad gave me a Rod Stewart album, but yeah. never mind. You well, know? yeah, but, good. but exactly was, that. Jack Beck was on it, it's okay. Okay, you're redeemed. <laughs> yeah, Your dad yeah, is yeah, redeemed. Yeah, yeah. But check it out, you know, like you go to school and everybody's listening to, I don't know, Roxy Music or whatever, you yeah. know, as great as they are. And I go like, hey, what are you into? Like, I'm into Sketch of Spain by Miles David. Uh, Miles David's arranged by Gil Evans. Like, like what? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So... I, I really, and was he a musician? No, not no. at all. Just a music lover, you know. He also liked the other bands. So that that was really great. And um, I also listened to, you know, the bands of the time, you know, the, the, the metal bands like Iron Maiden and Metallica when they came yeah, out. But yeah. I, w- I really had the, the jazz soul thing and it just kind of spoke to me. And, uh, and a friend of mine, he, he was playing bass in a, um, in a rock band and I just saw him play and I go like, wow, it's totally freaking awesome. I just love this. I love the... the, the deepness of it yeah yeah do you know the vibe yeah. well i think like people resonate on things you know some people are like really they dig the piccolo flute or the first violin and some other people like you know they're like more like mm, they like the drums like a beat or they're like low frequencies yeah and i was always drawn to the to the low frequencies. i remember listening to iron maiden way back in the day and i had no idea what instruments were called but i just go whatever that is the rumble in the bottom that's that's what i want to do and then yeah. i worked out through my friend this is actually the bass so yeah i picked up the bass <clears throat> Had no uh, tuition. I kind of was playing and practicing a lot, which yeah. uh, which was great fun. Uh, fun. And what were you doing? Just like learning records. I was, you know, the first record I played along to was uh, Headhunters. That was uh, your first album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first thing I tried to work out from wow. by ear because before then, my parents that it was really funny. They gave me. Uh, I'm not sure if you're old enough. They gave me like a play-along book for bass, right? And yeah. it had, uh, because really cheap product and th- there was no vinyl in the back. Do you remember that when you had just a plastic foil yeah, in the back yeah, of the yeah, book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The plastic foil, put it on the vinyl and played it. And the first riff that was on there was um, Jake Bruce, uh, Sunshine of Your Love, right? Wow. And they were trying to work it out on guitar because my parents said, and it's cool that you want to play bass, but you should play proper. You should learn guitar. So they gave me a guitar and I got like great acoustic guitar. Two strings came off and I was oh, really? like playing so straight bass straight away. away. Just like, I want to, uh, this yeah. is it. I'm oh, totally. Yeah. Like yeah. straight away like that, you know, stuff chords, you know, like I'm going to play, you know, Sunshine yeah. My Love. And then the next, and then the album and trying to work it out. And I thought, this is it. But the best sort of, I played bass for two or three years. Uh, you're going to run out of tape when I start talking. But uh <laughs> Uh, and how old are you about this point? That was bleh. Um, 16 maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So older, yeah. older, yeah. kind of in comparison to some of the child geniuses that are running yeah, around yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what really changed my world for good, I knew that that's what I want to do, is in 1986, um, Chaco came to Salzburg, uh, my hometown from Austria. And, uh, and I didn't know who he was, but I had a great friend who had like a jazz cafe, kind of jazz cafe place yeah, yeah. in the middle of Salzburg. And he had like this massive record collection. Was that, no, Zauner wasn't from Salzburg. He was from no, Vienna, he was from he? Vienna. Yeah, yeah. So he had like, like Earth in the Fire, Mike Stern, uh, you know, George Duke. And that's, uh, we would used to go there and yeah. after rehearsal hang out. And he said, hey, there's this guy called Chaco. 
uh, he's playing down in the local town hall. Do you guys want to come along? Go, yeah, sure. Wanna, what does he play? Well, I don't know. I think he, he plays percussion. Oh, yeah, sure. We go. I like music, so I go there. Yeah. Sit down in the front row in front of the big, massive bass amp. Unaware of what was about to yeah. happen. Freaking Chaco comes out. I mean, I didn't know who he was, and they played um, uh, Blake Market. Yeah, yeah, First yeah. opening tune, it was him, uh, a German uh, session drummer, and Pierre Brady Lagrin, the guitarist. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah, because they had that trio of Yeah, doom, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm sitting there not knowing what's coming, and there's Chaco coming out, and I've never heard of him, of course. Yeah. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> You know, I still remember it. And I have a videotape still today because my friend was really into technology at the time. I've got a VHS of the gig and he made me a tape and I lived with the tape for two really? years. Yeah. Every time I went to bed, I would listen to a 90-minute tape. You know, I would like, I had to turn it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah 45 yeah. minutes, flick the tape around and I listened for two years. That gig, you know, it's still totally in my head. Yeah. I can hear yeah, the gig yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. And that I knew, okay, I'm going to do the bass thing. Um, So I really got into it and, and I was in a trio and I was writing lots of music already because bass playing and writing music was always one. Have you always been writing music? Always. Yeah, always. It, was, it, it never worked for me. I'm going to do this exercise and I do another exercise. No. When I found something cool, I wanted to write something with it. Yeah. So from the beginning, I was writing, playing, writing, playing, yeah. always the same thing. Um, But because um, you write, obviously people might not know, but you write all the music for your band as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I arrange it, I orchestrate it, um, and, and I write it. Yeah, so totally, that's that's very important for me. Um, so after the Chaco gig, um, I got totally into the music thing, but I didn't want to study it because I thought studying it is like you know messing with your artistic integrity. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was yeah. studying something else, and it was miserable. You know, I studied musicology. Oh, you know really? what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like reading 18th century letters that, I don't know, Mozart wrote to his dad in, in old <laughs> writing and you had to kind what of... What was he saying to his dad then? <laughs> I want more money. I want more money. I know you're disapproving of my wife, but, you know, she's really nice. You should come, Papa, you should come to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did this for a while, but it was my thing. It, yeah, it really yeah, was my imagine, thing. And then yeah. I took... The band, we were in our ISM, I took my band. Uh, I wasn't the band leader then as I'm now, but we went to a competition to Vienna uh, and we, we, we came, I think, second. And people said, man, like a great bass, and who's your teacher? Go, you don't have a teacher. Just like, you know, just, you know, I'm just into it. Yeah. And, they, and they said, no, you really, you know, there's a great conservatory here. You really should go and study bass. And, and kind of, and I started thinking, maybe it's time to become... Serious. Yeah, and that's uh, when you went to. Vienna, yeah, and yeah. that, and I have to mention a particular moment because we talked about C Cmodel earlier. Uh, the Vienna Conservatory, my teacher was 80 years of age at the point, and he was in the committee. Yeah. I wasn't at all from the town, so it was kind of unusual for an out of towner to come around yeah. and audition. There were like 20 guys who wanted the chair. They yeah. take one guy. Oh, right? really? Yeah, yeah. And everybody was already there for years before studying. Yeah. And so, uh, so I went to the audition and, and I have to, his name was Rudolf Hansen and I've got to thank him because he changed my life because if he would say, no, we don't want this guy, my life would have, maybe I would have gone back take to it, yeah, take musicology or, or, you know, you got these pivotal people in your life that you got to thank because they're really kind of, they're sitting there in the track yeah. and they go, they arrive at the right you time. You know, they're like five guys looking at me and I'm like completely intimidated and he's like listening and listening and then he said, ah, I'm like, oh shit. Uh, he said, uh, uh, yeah, we can hear something in you. There is something in there. I mean, obviously you can't read for 
toffee. Yeah. Uh, but we'll have you on. And he took yeah. me on a swing for five years, and I and I and it got I became really good in reading music because that's and one were of you the like upright? No, electric. Electric. Yeah, right. that was yeah, the, yeah. it. Was the jazz department of the um, of the Vienna Conservatory? And they he really was the guy that life, told yeah. you the Samandl method. Of well, totally. Yeah, he was uh, th- one of the first lessons. Um, he said to me, he said a, a few like crackers. One of them, he said, uh, "Do you know when I was young?" There was still the profession. There was still a profession of guys that walked around the streets, actually like putting on the streetlights with gas, right? Wow. Yeah, That's how old he yeah, was, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing he said to me very early on, he played to me, he played Birdland to me, right? Oh, right, yeah. And so he played it to me, and he talked about Sabinol. Then he said to me, you know what? Make sure you don't listen to music. Just make sure you don't listen to music. I'm like, well, what does he mean? I'm just coming here for five years. He said, don't <laughs> listen to music. But uh, as it worked out, he, he wanted me to kind of not become a copycat. He was like, try to listen in sort of use the imagination. Yeah, 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 he yeah, didn't yeah. go like, check out this record, check out this record. He says, don't listen too much to other people's music. Listen yeah, yeah. to what's in your brain. <coughs> right, okay, which yeah, was, yeah, yeah. But as an, you know, I was a young guy then. I was like, this is like... So it's confusing. <laughs> some weird stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But over the years, what he said to me has become... It, you know, it, has, it does resonate years after. Yeah, no, yeah. it has become more elevated as time goes on. The wisdom he had, I mean, he was an older guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Freaked me out. I would always be late as two, you know. I would, like, be get up at 5.30 in the morning, hop on the train, three and a half hours. Yeah, three and a half hours. Yeah, wow. All, that was when we didn't have open trains. That's yeah. when we still have uh, compartments. Yeah. And I was, you know, chummed in with my little Ibanez tape recording thing, Steinberger bass, plugged in, Abel's Hall, got practicing, Close the curtains, three and a half hours to Vienna, you know, I was yeah, ready, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I practiced like decades on, 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 on trains. That's amazing. Yeah, totally. And he was always late. I get up at 5.30, so he rolls in like, <laughs> like Leslie's at 8.30, he comes in at 9.30. He was yeah, very yeah, social. Yeah, yeah, there were yeah. already another guy waiting, another guy. Like a bit like what we talked about with Jeff, you know, there were like two guys and then we were three bass players and he was just talking to us. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. great just, guy. Just loving the vibe, yeah. At the time for me, infuriated me, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, the older I get, the more I understand how yeah. like, he wanted us to have a community and talk and hang out. And he was yeah. just a really cool guy. For anybody Listen. that doesn't know what the Simandl method is, can mm. you put that in a nutshell? Yeah, so Simandl was a, a Viennese uh, bass uh, educator. He was at the Vienna Conservatory, actually. He was the head of bass oh, really? at the Vienna Conservatory, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and his, up to the end of the is it 20th century, there was no definite method on how to actually go about the beast that is the double bass, how to actually yeah. finger it. And he yeah. was one of the first guys writing down a method. So it's like a fingering method, isn't it? It's a fingering it? method, yeah. yeah. And basically, we talked about it earlier. It's basically to use the first, the second, and the third finger you only use in higher positions. But for most of it, you use the third finger in conjunction with the fourth finger um, to, to press down on the fingerboard. So it's like three digits almost. Yeah, yeah. First, middle, and third, and fourth yeah, together. Yeah, totally, yeah. And you use it lower, don't you? Do you use it up higher as well or not? Um, it depends what I'm playing now, now that I have a bit more options. When I was young, I didn't have options, yeah, yeah, but yeah. now I have options. It depends. When I'm playing top line melodies, I'm obviously switching over. I'm switching over for to the one finger per fret or extended finger. When you're further up yeah. back, yeah. But when I'm playing walking bass, I'm playing walking bass like an upright player, my thinking. So I'm actually walking up on the cheese string. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although I, I wouldn't have to, but it, it, it gives me the right feel and when you in the line and when itself. you when you transcribe lines by I don't know Scott LaFaro Oscar Pettiford Ray Brown 
they make a lot more sense if you're playing it with the technique they used. Yeah, if because you're, you're shifting at the same yeah, time. Yeah, if you're playing those lines with, with you know, with, with, uh, without open strings in particular, it yeah. don't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's all part of the whole thing. So you have to kind of adjust. If you're playing uh, a walking bass line like Charcoal, you also probably should copy how he used the open strings, which he did actually a great deal. You know, like chicken, where we talk about yeah, chicken. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. I think yeah. he's playing that with open string position. He plays there's it the, lower down, doesn't there's he? There's the yeah. open G needs to be in there yeah, to give yeah. you that sound. If you yeah. play it like higher up and you, you're fretting the G, you don't it have just that sort of yeah, sound. Yeah, it gives the phrase a different yeah. sound, doesn't it? Mm. So how long did you go to Vienna for? And when did the Berkeley thing happen? Did you hopscotch from one to the other? Did you just do one and no, then shoot um, over? I, I went to Vienna Concert here five years. Uh, and then I was out a lot, playing a lot. Uh, I had some students... I did some part-time work in a music store, uh, selling basses, of course. Uh, As we all have. But I was... Well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's totally cool. It was fun. I met a lot of people. But I was out a lot playing uh, and saving some money. Um, I lived in Spain for a while, then I, I played out there. And, um, and I, I got the scholarship edition in Frankfurt at the music fair. I was working there with the music store. I was working it. I was working for Steinberger at the time. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And so we were in Frankfurt and Berkeley came, you know, to do the European uh, scholarship yeah. tour. And I happened to uh, go there and they gave me a little scholarship and I was very chuffed. So that yeah. little scholarship, some money I saved, some money my parents saved and loads of grants from lots of people. Yeah. Uh, made it possible for me to go over there and study. It and was, you ended up in Boston. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was just, it was, well, it changed my world yet again. It was very pivotal. I, you know, I, I loved it. I How did it feel when it. you got there? Was totally. it completely different? Was it what it is, I mean, obviously, coming as a, as a European, a continental European going to the States, first of all, you have to kind of deal with some, somewhat of a culture shock because yeah. it's a very different society to ours. Uh, but then I got very quickly into it and really enjoyed it. Uh, and also what was really nice, uh, coming from a small country, 8 million people, you go to the States, you go to Berkeley at the time, maybe 3,000 students, a third of them being Europeans, the other two-thirds being Americans. So lots of people, base department, I think at the time, 450 people. Okay, uh, right, Rich yeah. Appleman was the chair at the time now, Steve Bailey, as we know. But, uh, Rich Appleman's still there, though, right, isn't he? No, I think oh, he's retired. Like Steve yeah, Bailey's right. taken over. Um, and all of a sudden, you come from Austria, you come from a fairly small place, and then you see like other bassists, European bassists, from Holland, from Germany, from Switzerland, from Italy. And you go, ooh, yeah, whoa, these guys can play. And then you get... The American guys yeah. and go like, mm, all right, lots of talent there. On people from like far fetched places like I don't know, Kyrgyzstan, like yeah, you know, yeah. and you go, wow, this these is, guys, these guys can play as well. Do you know, yeah. yeah. So all, all of a sudden you realize that you cannot become a, a, a voice by competing technically, because yeah, you know, yeah. lots of people can, you know, hey, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. So you go, mm, okay, so how how can I get a kick if we all can do the same? Yeah, and that made me really focus on what I wanted to hear in my, in my head because I started... Uh, uh, and was Berkeley the start of that for you? Was, it, was there a time you can think, when you went to Berkeley, was that the realisation that you were going to carve out your own, you well, know, your own thing? You know, it, it, you know, I'd like to say yes, you know, like having this sort of ability to think that way. I think a lot of us, we, we like to think we have the ability to think that way, but we actually don't. But what actually happens is there's an, what I call natural magnetism. Yeah. What do you want to be? And what you should be, there is obviously we like to think we are master of our destiny. And yeah, I think in control don't. of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. really think that whatever you're good good at, it will draw you towards. Yeah, and then the people will reinforce it because if you're really rubbish and nobody ever wants to hire you for a gig, 
there's no reinforcement. There's no yeah, positive yeah, reinforcement yeah, yeah. of what it is you should do. So because no, I'm going to stick to my gun. I don't care. You could do that, but it would be silly. So if you get reinforcement, you understand, ah, yeah, maybe I am good at this. And then you just keep on doing it. And then you open yourself up to understanding uh, w- what you should do. And for me, I realized that, uh, that I always played bass and I always wrote. And, uh, and I always had certain positions in bands. Because yeah. Nick asked me that from the bass magazine. He says, that's so weird, you know, Steph, you trained as a session bass player and you've done so many sessions. Because I, I, I played in lots of different bands. I played in country bands. I played in... Soccer bands, I played in reggae bands, I played in soul bands, I played in rock bands, I played in metal bands. Yeah, yeah. I, I did all this stuff, but I, it was never, you know, I can do it, but I'm not, I'm not the assignment type of guy. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I normally have too much to say and I get kicked out. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> or they go like, oh, this guy's pretty blubbery. You're going to be the new MD now. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, well, that, has that always been in you? You've always been like... It's always been know, the yeah, same. Yeah. Always. First band... Immediately hijacked it. Yeah, became yeah. my band, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes it doesn't work. If I see from my perspective now, running sometimes really big, large ensemble, you want someone to come in to do the job. I don't need your opinion. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I need yeah. you to do what I hired you to do. Yeah, and I yeah. see myself in that. Sometimes people hired me to do something, and I did a lot more. It was actually not needed. <laughs> I was even working in the. Um, you know, that's funny, because you know Mike Dolmer, who runs the Dolmer Drums? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was with him in the New London Theatre for six months. We did, like, really? yeah, yeah, we were playing, like, you know, we were sitting in the talk of, what's it called, talk of town, or talk of London. Yeah, we, yeah. We did this for six six months, and I was playing bass, and every night, you know, and a good gig, you know, I got paid well, it was fine, I just came to Britain 20 years ago. But I thought, yeah, I think that's probably not going to be my way. Yeah. It's not going to be my way. I think I can't. I can handle it. I cannot. I can't <laughs> I play, my, play girl my girl one yeah. more time. Although I love yeah, my girl, yeah, but yeah. so uh, you know, I was always and people always go, hey, I was, Steph, your, your music is pretty niche market and pretty crazy. And isn't that, is that a sensible thing to do? I go like, probably not. But all I can tell you is that I must do it. Yeah, there's yeah, a dark yeah. voice. Keep continue writing weird jazz. <laughs> Keep on doing Were it. Were you doing that over know? in Berkeley? Were you still writing? Did you have yeah. your own band over there? Yeah, yeah. sure. My funkester I had in I had in the States as well. Oh, I, really? I, I yeah. had the funkester in the States. We recorded our first record there, not at Berkeley. I had this sort of ramshackle house yeah. and we set up the studio in the bathroom and uh, the drummer was I'm actually, you have a jacuzzi out there, literally, no joking. We didn't have enough space, so we got a bunch of boards, put them on the jacuzzi and set up the drums in there. This was on the first <laughs> album. That's amazing. <laughs> on the jacuzzi? Yeah, right. that's it. It sounds good. And Dave Lemina, who's the assistant chair, who's the Hammond organ guy at Berkeley, who I wow. still work with, yeah. I asked him to play. And I remember like, I was schlepping up the, you know, the, uh, the Leslie yeah. up to the oh, third floor. Yes. Like narrow, and, and it's amazing because he's still playing for us and with us, and I'm still good friends with him. Yeah. But I remember when I called him up because my bass teacher is a well known bass professor called Anthony Vitti. Do you know him? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I got on with him like a house on fire. So Anthony was in a band with a um, Japanese guitarist, and uh, was it Larry? Larry Finch and Dave Lee Miniwa in the band. And I heard them, and I go, like, Wow, these guys really can play. I really like to play with them. And I said to Anthony, What do you think? Do you think? call him and ask if they wanted to do the record. Yeah. Uh, he said, yeah, do it. And then I was really shy. Imagine that. I mean, they're your heroes, right? Yeah. Like you, you see them playing, you go like, they're gods. Uh, so I called him up and I said, yeah, man, we are totally up for it. And they came and they did it. And they like sounded monster. And Dave, still today, he's teaching from that record, which I really? recorded yeah. wow, exactly awesome. 20 years ago, 1996. I recorded that album. He's still using it because David, he set up a room at Berkeley called the Hammond Organ Room. There's 20 organs in that room. 
Wow. So he's doing Hammond Organ Ensemble. How many places in the world are like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, what? Hammond Organ Ensemble? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nuts, of course. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hell. Yeah. It's about amazing hell. I want to die there, you know? <laughs> How long were you at Berkeley for? Did you do the full thing? Or no, did you? I didn't. I was, I was on a fast track, in a way. I couldn't have afforded it. Yeah, because it's crazy money. It, it? Was, it was nuts, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was, um, I was there two years, yeah. but I finished. Oh, you did finish, yeah. I did yeah. finish, yeah, because uh, what happened, most of the European students that come in, they're like, they already went through the local uh, conservator-type education. Yeah. So they come in in the mid-20s uh, and they test out a lot of stuff because they don't need to do rudimentary stuff like notation yeah, yeah, yeah. or ear training. on. So, so you're moving up very right, quickly. Okay, so can, so yeah. that means you get what's called transfer credits. Yeah. Uh, so I got quite, quite a few of those. So I could really, I, I could stuff it in in two years. It was hard because I had to go back to Austria and work and that's when I played in a country band. With the little thing here. And I, I bet just, you look awesome in, in a cowboy hammer. I can just imagine it now. My style. <laughs> my next album Still cover. Still got it home. Cover. Get it out on a weekend. No, yeah, that, yeah. No, that was good. Two years at Berkeley was fantastic. I'm still um, very closely uh, related in sort of, there's a nice fabric of Berkeley connection still in my life. So yeah, I know because you, 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 do, you do some like, well, you do a lot of work still over in the States, don't you? Yeah, like I, have, I have family there as well in New York, so there's kind of a sort of kinship with the, um, with the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy snow in New York at the minute. What's going on? It's nuts. They're I mean, but, snow. You know, some of my friends absolutely love it because with the small children, they can run around build a snowman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were watching a video earlier about this guy with snowboarding in Times Square. We've got a... Well, oh, so, yeah, I saw that. Have you seen it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Casey I saw that. that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's nice. Well, anyway, <laughs> less of snowboarding. Were you going to go... You're talking about snow because I'm Austrian? Is it like that? Because I'm Austrian, you're talking like about snow? Just like, yeah, because you're obviously an awesome snowboarder. You know? When did you come over to the UK? Was it like directly after Boston or not? Yeah, yeah. I came in 1996. And was it, what was it, for, did you think, yeah, I'm going to move to the UK or was you it... You know, I wanted to move to the UK before I moved to Boston. Oh, really? The yeah. scholarship was actually a detour. Because I, I, because I wanted to come to a big metropolis, to the right, big okay, metropolis yeah, that yeah. is London beforehand. Because I was fascinated by having a town as big as London. You obviously, uh, it's kind of one of the navels of the world. And in music making in Europe, it's obviously London is like the metropolis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, everybody else. I love Paris. I love Copenhagen. I love Amsterdam. But in terms of size, yeah, London. London is obviously yeah. the biggest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and when you came here, did you have connections or was it in at the deep end? Uh, I, it was into the deep end, but I, I, I made, you know, I made nice contacts um, and um, there was a, uh, a bass player. She's a, she's a metal bass player called, uh, she's Austrian, she's called uh, Andy Kane. She's still oh, is yeah. in the metal band now. Hello, Andy. Uh, and she called me because a bass player bottled out at the EMI. You know, above the, the bass center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so MI's Musicians Institute. Yeah, MI, uh, uh, do you want to come over and date um, uh, for this guy? He, he's an Italian guy. He's never come back. He's from Sardinia, Sicily, whatever. He's yeah. never come back. Probably woke up with a whole So state. you ended up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his villa never come back. <laughs> you owe some money. You want to go to MI. <laughs> <laughs> so you ended up teaching at MI? Yeah, well, I, I, classic case, typical. Like for me, I mean, my experience. I go in there, do a dip. Okay, thanks, great. Hey, would you mind doing it again? Yeah, I'm doing it again. Okay, come in, doing it again. Would you mind taking that slot on? Yeah, you know, okay, take the slot yeah. on. Would you mind doing like two hours a week? Yeah, and then would you mind doing four hours a week? And then the whole, it's always, I'm, I'm sort of the, the spin-up Because you've been involved in education for a long time. Oh, yeah, I've yeah. just got on here, actually. Yeah. 
you um, you've written courses for like Detroit Institute of Music Education, the Institute yes. of Contemporary Music, the Academy of Contemporary Music. You've always had that kind of. Well, as, far, as long as I've known you, because obviously I didn't know you when you were in Boston, but as long yeah. as when you came visible to me, I always kind of link you, one, to the, the, the Funkestra, and two, to education yeah. and being involved in that. And was that Musicians Institute the first, was that that first in, step in, into it in the in, UK? In, in England it was. Yeah. Uh, when I started to do classroom teaching, before that I had loads and loads. I had, I had a, um, a friend who I was practicing a lot with in Austria, uh, a drummer, and he was really good with time management, and he said, okay, Steph, that's what you're going to do. This is for the gigs, this is the slot for your students, this is the slot for the, um, for the music store, and, and, and I had actually quite a few students, and, yeah. I, and I actually have taught privately as long as I played bass. I think I played bass for six months and I had my first student. Right, okay, yeah, and yeah. imagine that first feeling like all young bassists will have. You learn how to play the bass, and then somebody else say, hey, cool, you play the bass, can you show me like what the open strings are? Like, yeah, sure, come around, it will be... 10 bucks, 10 euros, 10 whatever, shekels, and you go, freaking A. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm playing yeah. my bass, yeah. and I'm showing somebody how to play the bass, and I get some money for it. Yeah. You go like, <laughs> my parents got it so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> my career path right there, you know what I mean? But, it, but it's amazing, right? When yeah. you go, I'm doing something I'm really digging. And I'm showing people that. And then, yeah, yeah. oh, man. That's like, you know, and then that's how it starts for, yeah. for a lot of people, isn't it? Then when you go, actually, maybe... You maybe could do this, you know, because yeah, there's actually yeah. a kickback in financial terms. It's amazing, man. And when you, when you went to, when you were like, teaching at MI, obviously with the Funkestra, did you sort of like, you, were, you landed in London, you were like, I'm going to start up the band. I did, were yeah, you? like f- what a fool I was. I mean, I, I had a, like a nine-piece band. Yeah. Like, you know, I just came to town and I go like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up a nine-piece band, yeah, you know. <laughs> and I managed to do it, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I had a nine-piece band, but uh, I, I gave it up after a while because I realised... To have a nine-piece band, I need to kind of spread out more, and I need to get to know more people, more yeah. clubs. I need to make more connections to actually be able to warrant to have such a big band. Yeah, yeah. And on the note of big band, so I'm, it's, you know, I'm totally psyched about it, and I gotta plug it on this iPod. Do it, do it, man. Yeah, because do it. Uh, I'm doing this um, orchestra concert with the Royal Northern uh, Session Orchestra. Yeah. So I take up, up in my band, yeah, yeah, six, six, my guys. I take them up. We're going to be up there for three days, and then we have a concert with the Royal Northern Session Orchestra. Wow. And in the, on stage, at one, it, it, uh, there's a few tunes where we're going to be 29 people on stage, 13 horns, 8 rhythm section, 8 strings. Wow. And in total, we're going to run through 52 musicians playing my music. And it's Whoa. just so freaking awesome. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. wow, that's yeah, just yeah, yeah. totally cool, you know, like... Uh, um, to, to have such a big ensemble and to make it happen and it will be filmed and I'm just super excited and uh, a big thank you to uh, Peter Tomasa who helped me with the big band adaptions. Uh, if people want to check yeah. out the Funkestra, where should they go? Your website? Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. redthemarkersfunkestra.com or rbfunkestra.com or stephanredthemarker.com or we'll all lead you there. If you, yeah, if you listen to this as well. 20th put, of February, sorry to interrupt, 20th of February, Manchester, Royal Northern Court. I'll put Music. all the details on the show oh, notes as well so I'm people so, can check this out. I'm totally excited. To and I'm also like suicidal. <laughs> what with them? Is it, is it stressful as well? Well, you know, uh, you know if, you, if you play, a, I mean, I've been running the band for a long time now and it's a small ensemble, but all of a sudden be responsible for such a huge group of people. Yeah. And Andy, um, the program director, wants me to also do the um, uh, conducting, so doing the MDing thing, which yeah. is something I get used to. Because I recently also worked with Nigel, National Youth yeah, Jazz Orchestra. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah. took yeah. some of my tunes in the repertoire and I went to the rehearsal and I'm not playing bass. I'm like DMD, okay? Here I come in and kind yeah. of 
All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is my music. Talk about that, man. Like, what does it feel? Because it's, in a way, is it stepping out of your comfort zone? Yeah. Well, it's actually... It, I think it's very exciting. And, uh, and I, I kind of really like it. And I just like to have a big group of people and making music together, yeah. whether I'm in it or not. Uh, and I, I really dig it, actually. I, yeah. I, I really, I feel, it feels comfortable. And the funniest thing is, as musicians, self-employed people, we're always like cleaning a doorknob somewhere. That's yeah, just yeah. By, by nature what we do. There's always like cleaning the doorknob, hello, I'm so-and-so, this is what I have to offer. So this is the nature of what we do, touting business, if you like. Yeah. And the whole Big Ben thing, for me, has completely developed naturally. It came out of the blue that some guy in Holland two years ago wanted to play one of my pieces for the concert. Yeah. And he said, do you have this for Big Ben? And I go, yeah. <laughs> Great, can I have it next week? Yeah. yeah. And then, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't have it. And what do you do? Do you call an arranger or do you no, sit because, down no, with no, I, 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 I started arranging at Berkeley, so I, right. I, I arrange a lot. So yeah. I, I got started with that. But then also I like to collaborate because I really believe in collaboration of two or three people. Yeah. So I, I called my good friend Pete Tommaso uh, and he helped me uh, very quickly to arrange that. And, and, and then completely out of the blue, I got like actually kind of a, some, more emails in of people wanting to play my big band music. In the States, in Germany, in Austria, uh, in Holland, and in the UK. And, and this was all just born from that one? Yeah. And the, what, no, it wasn't even related. It came in unrelated. Oh, unrelated. Yeah, yeah. and I go like, man, it's weird. And I go, all right, I'm going to kind of follow that. Because for once, I'm not like, hey, I've got a big band. You want it? You know? And yeah, the, the Nitro thing, same thing. Mark Armstrong, the MD, said, hey, you know, we checked out some of your stuff, you know, we love the music. Do you have your arrangements in, in big band format? And yeah. I go like, sure. And uh, actually, I was in Austria. I was invited. That was the best gig of last year. I was invited to go to Austria to play my music with the big band. They rehearsed for four weeks my music. Wow. And I go there, and all I had to do is, hello, <laughs> play the bass and play the show. And they... They kind of treated me like extremely nicely. Yeah. I'm still waiting kind of, that they must, I mean, you know, when you sometimes go, I can't believe this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah How did yeah. I end up here? Yeah. Why me? Like concert was sold out, a big success. And by the way, the, the director of the music school said, ah, oh, Steph, really wonderful, wonderful. No, he wasn't British, but great show. Say, come here, I got to show you something. In the music school, this is, yeah. you know, I had this big old rusty key. Goes, I'm like, oh, that's bad. I'm in Austria. Don't go in a cell in Austria. Um, stripe that. Um, goes down and they have a wine cell in the music school. Really? Yeah, and that's what they do once a year. All the high brass of the music school go on a wine tour to pick which wine they're going to have in the music school cellar. And we're like, what do you like? You know, big, you know and I was like, what oh, well, is we need this? to get all this in the UK. That's but, unbelievable. Yeah. They had like this old school wine cellar and we were like, you know, so wine you're tasting in the cellar, after the show. Wine. And yeah, they go like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Weird, and I really treasure those moments because obviously they're like, yeah, it's like once not a, in a daily, lifetime type of vibe, daily, daily yeah. occurrence, and I'm super grateful for that. But it, the nicest thing about it is, as I said, I, I haven't pushed this agenda. It has come to me, and coming back to what I said earlier on about certain magnetism, I just gotta go with the flow. I Do you just think gotta it's the go with that. The compound effect of just, you know, putting out great material. 
it, it's year a, after year. It's just, the yeah. compound effect of being a fool, you know. Of like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fool for what I do. I mean, it doesn't make any sense on paper what I do. It just doesn't make, you know, you want to write crazy, <clears throat> an Austrian who writes crazy, weird jazz funk. Really, what kind of a career, like, movie is that? But it works. But it's not a movie. It's like, that's what I do. I've yeah, always yeah. been that way. I can't, yeah. I can't jump out of well, my you, own skin, you've played you know? with a lot of artists as well. Like, I've got a list here, like, it just says, you know, you performed and recorded, recorded with artists like Steve Winwood, Jack Bruce, Amy Winehouse, Listen. Lulu, me. Paris, Paul Carrot, Kiki D, Sandy Shaw, Sophie Ellis Bexter, Lamal, and you know, I could go on. You know, Adam Ant. So, yeah. you know, oh, he's amazing. You, you've got this whole. He's got the amazing X Factor thing going. <coughs> you know, when yeah. you meet some of these guys, man, you meet Adam Ant and you go, whoa. Because, you know, I, I've never been a particular Adam Ant fan, but when yeah. I met him, I go, like, I understand. I no, understand. When you meet, yeah. like, we played a show with uh, Charles Stone in the summer, and, and Charles Stone is obviously beautiful, yeah. but that aside, you meet him and go, Ah, uh, uh, you know, because it's really like just star oh, quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel like Lord of the Rings, you know, like what are they called with the funny ears? Elves. Yeah, it's like oh, an elf. I meet a life elf. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not her natural beauty. It's like the, the persona. You, you get, persona, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. so hard to gauge that uh, on the net. You go YouTube. You like the voice. You like the person looks. You can hear it. But when you meet some people, they're like that doesn't transmit. They over got the sort of media, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah, she's totally yeah. like that. I mean, I was like, I was totally smitten, you know, but she was so natural. It was like, come on, be like just, a diva, yeah, be yeah. horrible, be like, <laughs> shout at me, you know, do something. And she's like, uh, super nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, super, super person. What was it? Was that this year or last year? Yeah, uh, sorry, I said this year. Uh, last year in the last summer, year, we played yeah. the Cornbury Festival. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And like, kind of like, how do you split your time? Because you also, I want to get in this, this in there as well, you're also running a company called KR. Uh, what's it? Knowledge Rocks. Knowledge Rocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowledge Rocks, which is a, I've got this written down, it's a music ed- educational technology company that combines sheet music and backing tracks into perfect practice units via their KR Player and KR Author apps. How was that? That was pretty cool. That's amazing. And their perfect <laughs> bundle is called Audio Sheet Music. Yeah. And it's super cool, yeah. and it is kind of, it's, it's the next generation, isn't it? You know, iPads where it automatically yes. scrolls through and you can speed things up and slow them down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... The like, or- how did you get into that? A- alongside doing all the, you know, the stuff with your own band and working with all these artists and doing the whole music educational thing, how did you, do, you know, how did you get into well, doing that as well? Well, I, I have a sort of a, I have a very simplified version of what I do. It's like, I, I see like, you know, when we're talking about this magnetism, I see there's like a triangle in my life and the triangle has always been the same. It's been like you have music, yeah. you have, in no particular order that is, you have music and you have education and you have technology. And I live in this sort of triangle and it, it, it shifts yeah. around, it rotates, it stops here a little bit <clears> longer and it just keeps on rotating. But these sort of important areas of my interest and the audio sheet music concept came about uh, by doing lots of classroom teaching. Um, and I, I went through, you know, think about 20 years ago, we went through, here's a crappy printout of my thoughts in the morning. Yeah. Quick, print it out. A DMI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's like a scale, okay? Yeah. And then you go, oh, let's print a book. And then, oh, it's a formal print the book. And the next thing is, Oh, we could uh, we could do a PDF and MP3s, and we could put it on a stick, or we yeah. give it to you on a CD, and then actually we can put it on a server, you know. So we got as far as the server, yeah, yeah. but then what happened with, with my classroom teaching? You have the what, what are called the media components on the server, and it creates great confusion in the student what's what because you got yeah. many components. Yeah. You got lots of media assets components, and they don't necessarily belong to each other. So. 
you would go, okay, uh, Scott told me I need to practice this. So I need to get the PDF. I can either print it out, put it on my stand, or I can see it on my screen. But then I have the MP3, but it's way too fast for me. You're crazy. I'm not going to play this. It's 230 BPM. I want to practice it at 60 BPM. So yeah, you get yeah. amazing slowdown or transcribe. So you pull the MP3 and put it in slowdown. And then you have like... You have a lot of different angles from where your learning is taking place. You go like, no, nah, no, nah, that must be an easier thing because the eyes and the ears should be one component, yeah. one digital component. And that's you know, where you combine the idea, it. And that's yeah, why we. All, so, yeah. Aaron, who's actually a guitarist in the Funkestra, he's the tech whiz. We sat down and we, we designed it and we actually got it patented, which is really? a, it's yeah, a file format. We patented that. And it's uh, audio sheet music, and it has made out of uh, PDF sheet music and MP3s that had made one file, yeah. one bundle, no confusion. The file is called Scott's Masterful Bass Performance 101, <laughs> and you can download it. And once it's in this format, then you can have fun with it. You can loop it. It scrolls. Uh, you can transpose it. You can slow it down. You can speed it up. Um, it, and the music always follows it, and the highlight bar shows shows where you are, you can't get lost, and there's no confusion. It's an amazing moment, isn't it? Yeah. And we started on the iPad. We started on the iPad because the iPad in you know, the music world is widely um, sort of embraced yeah. in the creative world, uh, creative world, and also the login is an Apple login, so there's no third party getting involved. You yeah. trust Apple, you're already on iTunes, etc. But uh, we, we felt like that we, we wanted to branch out, we wanted to make a more encompassing um, product, so we yeah. stretched out, we have an Android tablet, you can yeah. do the same thing, but the best thing I'm the most excited about it. We we kind of ironing some bugs out. We're slaying some bugs, but we have the technology as uh, an as an HTML as a browser app. So that means anyone, regardless if you have a tablet or not, yeah. you can access audio sheet music yeah, yeah. on a browser Within through a your browser, Safari, yeah, through yeah. your Firefox, yeah. uh, or through your Chrome. And that's super exciting because you pull up the piece. It's got bass license, amazing one one. Yeah, and off you go. I'm gonna, Loop it, I want to speed it up, I want to slow it down right there. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go to a third-party medium software. Yeah, you, don't yeah, gotta, yeah. you don't have to dig out the drum machine, logic, yeah, metronome. No, it's all in, in one place. And that's why we did it. Because yeah. we, we saw a problem in the way we delivered uh, media assets yeah, to our yeah, students. Yeah, yeah they, because they're having to deal with, yeah. with, with different and, yeah. And they really things. what you really want them to do to sit down and... and, and Practice. Yeah. So you're trying you to don't make want them to be distracted, especially now. I mean, if you're thinking of what I hear about the exam boards, kids buy the books with the CDs or maybe download codes. But you know what kids are like? A 12 year kid, you know, the download code is like long gone hey, and the CDs. I do it. I lose it. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. well, forget that. Just yeah. buy it in a like non breakable format. You yeah, can't yeah. lose it. And, you know, unless you lose your tool, your, your, your you medium. Compute, yeah, yeah. You're there. You won't and like lose you, it. You guys have begun to work with like different artists as well, haven't you? So your like albums are on there and well, totally because it, we we completely uh, sort of we're platform agnostic and we're also like agnostic towards the publishers. To yeah. us, there's traditional publishers and there's individual publishers. There's like uh, we call them desktop publishers. Yeah, we're open to all. And and when people, if people want to use our technology, not pay for it and just do it for their own. Yeah. Uh, enjoyment or share with the private students, use it. Go and use it. It doesn't cost you anything. So we want to be very open because I have a bit of the Derek Sivers CD baby spirit in yeah, me or yeah, quite a bit yeah. of it. Set something up for the independents and whoever else 
wants to come on board, use our technology. So yeah. it's so like very rock important. school. You can get rock school. Stuff you can anyway. get register of guitar tutors. You yeah. get uh, rock school. You can get Naxus. You can get Short, the biggest German education publisher. You can get Faber Music. Yeah. Uh, what British. bands have you got? You've got. Uh, we have. That's actually shout out to my bass players. We have the latest band Trionics. It's called by Paul Turner. I was going to say Paul Turner. Well, and we have we have well, Shuffler, yeah. his previous band on there. Yeah. Uh, we have Nick Meyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick yeah. Meyer, who plays with Jeff Beck at the moment, and he's actually just sent me his new recording with Jimmy Haslip um, oh, and Vinnie Colaiuta because he asked me to give him some input on the on the on the sound. Yeah. Because he spent too much in the studio, he can't hear. He can't hear it any longer. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I hate yeah, it. Yeah, they go yeah, like, can't hear the wood. Hey, don't be crazy. Can't hear the wood for the trees. Can't yeah. see the yeah, wood. You can't hear. Yeah, 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 whatever yeah. it is. But yeah. I mean, I, I heard it. It's freaking amazing. It's amazing Nicholas yeah. Meyer, check it out. The new album, Vinnie Colaiuta, Jimmy Haslip. It's like it's the bomb. It's it's totally it. So we work with people like him and um, quite a few others, um, Anthony Vitti uh, and anyone really. So if you want to come aboard on the KR ship, da-da, <laughs> commercial plug. Can you, can you insert some music into that and like yeah, yeah, dancing yeah, else yeah, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Come aboard, we want you. We, we're yeah. completely open to everybody. We, we, I'll we, put the links on the show know. notes. If you're listening to this or watching this, all the links in the show notes, just scroll down. ScottsBassLessons.com episode, whatever episode this will be. I, mean, I don't know what episode it will be, but scroll down and you'll be able to link to, we'll link to Stefan's site and all the other sites. KnowledgeRocks.com. KnowledgeRocks.com. You've heard it here. And all those shenanigans. And, and on that note, mate, I just want to say a huge thank you for coming and hanging out what? with us. That's already, that's it? That's it, mate. Oh, I feel that's like Rob. We're done. <laughs> oh. Actually, Stefan, a quick question before we go. Maybe not a quick question. That's like, looking, it. looking back at your your career so far, what what one attribute do you think has served you most? Is it like hard work? Is it being flexible? Is it um, being socially, you know, like good socially and hanging out with the right people? What what's if if somebody's sort of getting into being a professional musician, what advice would you have for them uh. in terms of what served you? I'd say curiosity. Yeah. I'd say that. I mean, to be, to be open and be interested and, you know, and, 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 and don't avoid to have tunnel vision about everything. Just, just try to take things in. I think, yeah, that's for me would be uh, the, one. That's the one. It's pretty, most guys say, well, we don't want that advice. We want you to say, I want you to practice your scales, particularly major, at 2 to 30 BPM. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. have that sort of advice. I think I've outgrown it. No, but for me, it's the most important is curiosity. Keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. That, that, will, be, that will be mine. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, Stefan Rodenbacher. Cheers, mate. Thanks for awesome. having me, man. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to that interview and a huge shout-out to Stefan as well for just being such a dude and coming and hanging out with us down in London. Again, if you want to check out the show notes for that episode that includes some great videos of Stefan playing with his band and some tracks from his albums as well, I've picked some great ones for you that will blow your mind. Just go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash episode 22 and you'll find them all in the show notes there for you and links to Stefan's site and links to Knowledge Rocks a software company that was mentioned in the interview. All the links are in the show notes. Again, scottsbasslessons.com forward slash episode 22. And also remember, if you're an Academy member, you can watch the entire video version of that interview as well. And if you're not already an Academy member, go check it out, scottsbasslessons.com. In a nutshell, it's the best online learning platform for bass players in the world. Step-by-step courses, live seminars every week, the largest online bass educational community, and heaps more. 
And we've got a completely free 14-day free trial, so you can go and check out the entire thing, take it for a test drive and see if you like it. So thanks again for listening again. Um, Next week, we've got a great guest. We've got Ian King. Ian is a fantastic player. He really is. Um, We were hanging out in a... We actually did the... That did the interview in a music shop, so I got to check him out playing. He's just so, so funky. Um, it, Ian's really interesting, and I wanted to get him on the, the podcast for several reasons. One, um, because he's such a great player. Two, because he's doing some great musicals in the West End. He's working in the pits. He, um, he's just been... I think the last show that he did was Shrek, and right now he's doing the Book of Mormon. So he's writing, and if you don't know what the West End is, guys, it's just, in a nutshell, the London equivalent of Broadway. So it's just, you know, all the shows like Les Mis and stuff like that. And that's um, really what Ian does. So he's doing the Book of Mormon at the minute. But the, 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 the last reason that I wanted to get him involved in the podcast is because we've had a few of the guys that do the West End thing and have been doing it for years. They're, you know, they're in that crew that kind of clean up all the work, probably in their fifties, you know, they're very established in London and, you know, and and Ian isn't in that crew because he's younger than that. He, He will be in that crew in a few years time, but he's younger than that. He's my age. I think he's 37 or possibly 36. So he's not in that old school crew that have just been, you know, getting the gigs forever and a day. And he's also not straight out of college either. He's, he's kind of been, you know, he's been gigging probably professionally for, you know, 15 years or so. And so I thought he'd have a great unique take on not the older generation, but also not the super young generation either. He's kind of sandwiched in the middle, which is another reason why I wanted to get him on the, on the podcast. But obviously he's a killer player as well. And he's got some really great insights as well. I think you're going to really love next week's interview. And it was done, actually. We recorded it in the Bass Gallery in London, Camden. Um, One of the coolest shops in London, guys. If you get to London, check out the gallery. You will not be disappointed. It's just full of great stuff. And Martin, the guy who runs it, is just such a dude. By the way, I'm not affiliated with them in any way. I'm just giving the love because they are such, like, they're really, really cool guys. So if you are in London, just check out the gallery. It's just, it's a good afternoon. Try not to take the partner if the partner isn't into bass because you really need a good few hours in there just to chill out, drink some coffee and try some basses out. Anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Scots Bassers and Podcast. And as always, I'll see you next week in the shed.